short round. Step on it. Okie dokie, Dr. Joe's hole here, potato. Hey, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 75 of the Sea Struck Movie Podcast. Gotcha. Uh, a podcast about watching movies and friendship, I guess, if I had to merge the taglines. <laughs> uh, my name is John. Joining me today is my co-host, Quinn. Hey, what's going on? And as you might have anticipated by that beautiful opening voice, uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Well, uh, thank you for having me back on here. It's much appreciated. Yeah, it's been a while. I guess last time Tom was on was uh, we were talking office space. I think that was probably a good a good half a year ago or something like that. So much anticipated. Uh, of course, Tom is also my co-host on Domestic Pints Only, which we always plug um, and mention the show notes. So he's my lovely podcasting life partner uh, as well. So happy to have Tom on. Um, we're going to be talking, of course, as the title of the episode suggests, we're going to be talking uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, really fun to revisit that movie i think that was uh i wrote i had some kind of thoughts about that movie it's a classic it's a all-time dad dv or sorry an all-time dad vhs movie i feel like every boy had this movie on tape especially because i think mcdonald's this was one of the movies that mcdonald's actually like sold for cheap there was a period of time where you could actually buy really tapes at mcdonald's they were like discounted tapes and uh there was a lot. I think Back to the Future was one of them. The Raiders was one of them. I don't know if the Temple of Doom one was one, but Temple of Doom was like a mainstay. There was so many of these tapes like everywhere. So uh, this was one that I've, I've probably watched, I think, I don't know how many times, probably at least a dozen times before the age of like 11. So I've seen this movie so much as a kid. Um, so it was really fun uh, to revisit. And we could talk, I think when we start that discussion, we'll talk about kind of our first impression like our first time watching and those oh man so we can talk about that then but before before we do that of course um as we do at the start of the show we like to talk about uh new entries to our watch list which is new stuff that we've added on we're interesting interested in checking out um in the future i know tom you're 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 not you're not a frequent you're not a frequent attendee on these episodes did you have anything new that you've added to your watch list that you're interested in uh, checking oh out? i think we talked about this before i kind of yes. want to watch the plague dogs i have to see yes. about this really twisted movie that i heard about on tiktok and i was like it was like it screamed right up my alley yeah and i was <laughs> i remember he's like this looks like a wholesome video but it's definitely not yeah we were is, saying before the show the music and the trailer is like it's so like, everything it's like, I don't, like, it's like billy joel or something it's like yeah and it's like walk, yeah, the black dogs or whatever you're like yeah. All right, this is and then it just cuts to this dog is getting like massacred <laughs> So it looks, it looks pretty disturbing. Yeah, cool, it cool. is a very disturbing movie, but I definitely would have that on my watch list recently. Other nice. than that, I've been, I don't really have much else to say for my watch list, except whatever I see pop up on streaming services. Oh, cool. Cool. Uh, Quinn, anything new that you've been interested in checking out? Yeah, I added one. Um, it's a movie from 1937 called Dead End, uh, starring um, Sylvia Sidney and Humphrey Bogart. Uh, crime drama film noir you know the typical uh it's about the lives of a young man a young woman an infamous gangster and a group of street kids coverage one day in volatile new york city slum has pretty high reviews i don't know i just it's a bulky movie i've never seen so i just came across it i gotta check it out huge humphrey bogart fan as as are most people we're huge humphrey bogart fans on the podcast but uh, that's all I have this week for my watch list. Uh, what about you, John? What do you got? Sure. Well, actually, before I go to mine, I'll just mention uh, Curtis was kind enough to leave some notes uh, about stuff that he's added to his watch list. So uh, the first movie on Curtis's list is a film called uh, Narvik, which is a Norwegian movie, I believe. It's about a small Norwegian town that holds um, iron ore deposits that the Nazis used in World War II. Um, it's a Netflix film, and I guess the disruptions to this ore supply is one of kind of the first pillars that led to Hitler's first defeat. So sounds interesting, kind of up uh, up our alleys. Uh, the second one is one called uh, Funan, which is an animated film, and it tells the story of the survival and struggle of a young mother uh, during the Khmer Rouge Revolution 70s Cambodia, um, when during that time, as Curtis was mentioning last episode, he's going to be going to Cambodia soon. So um, oh, damn. Kind of, part of his homework is to kind of... Uh, you know, learn a little bit more about the Khmer Rouge and the killing fields and, and kind of that movement. So that was about a far right totalitarian government led by Pol Pot, which took over the country. They tried to restructure society, reverted to an agrarian one, which meant wiping out a third of the population um, in the process. This movie's on Netflix. Um, yeah, Curtis mentions in the notes as well, him and his girlfriend, they're going to Thailand and Cambodia uh, next month. So they kind of want to 
get some better co historical context about kind of some of the stuff. And he mentions that this doesn't really get talked about in in North America or in Europe. Uh, in, I know definitely not in high school history class. We barely learn about our own history in, in high school. Uh, but yeah, I don't remember this coming up much like in, in my university course. It's one of those things that um, you really have to read into and learn about. I guess from a certain older sect, if they grew up when that like Killing Fields movie came out, they probably are familiar with it. But I don't imagine most most young people would be. Um, so that's kind of a cool one. And then the last one on Curtis's list um, is a, I, I believe this is actually an adaptation of a video game. This one's called Corpse Party. So um, Curtis mentions that he was a fan of the video game. It's like a haunted, it's like a horror game about uh, kids trapped in a haunted school get killed off. Uh, so this is like the adaptation of it in, a, in an anime series. So he's he's interested to check that one out. Oh, um, was that a PC my, game originally? I think it was. Yeah, I think it's like an indie PC game, like one of these like uh, that makes more sense. style horror games. So, yeah, I, I think that's what it is. I know he's a big fan of a lot of those like lower budget cheapo indie horrors. A lot of them are pretty inexpensive and pretty fun and creative, too. So um, I would say that definitely check that game out as well, too, if you haven't if you haven't played it. Um, on my list, I've got a few movies on here. I got one uh, from 2019. Um, I believe this one is an Indian film called uh, Kaithi. Uh, it's about a, a character named Dili, who's a convicted criminal who's out on parole to meet his daughter. However, a drug bust sets off on a mission to save the life of a police officer. So obviously, based on that plot kind of line, very influenced by like Assault on Precinct 13, which is one of my favorites, and like The Warriors. So it's kind of a siege type of movie very interested in checking that one out um, another one a much sleazier film from 1982 uh called vice squad um which is about a hollywood hooker helps a detective set up a trap for a mutilator pimp and i heard it's just it's totally sleazy gross nice so it's right up my alley and then the last one is a film called uh the deeper you dig which came out in 2019 um, so this one is about, um, it's a kind of like a low, low budget micro horror. It was filmed by a family. So it's like the father, mother, and and the kids, they, they all were casted in it. So it's about an aftermath of a roadside accident. So the line between the living and dead collapses between a mother, her daughter, and a stranger. Um, pretty cool. It's like a low budget micro horror. This is like a family, the Adams family, not the uh, the haunted Adams family, but the different <laughs> Adams family directed this movie. And it actually got distribution from Arrow, so it's kind of cool that they got that bump. I don't know how the hell they got distribution from Arrow. They must uh, there must be some Nepo baby shit going on. I don't know, but uh, that's all the that's what I watched. Uh, that's what I added to my watch list. Um, now we're gonna talk quickly what we watched this week. Um, so Quinn, you were you were away last week. Do you want to mention uh, what you've watched in the in the interim? Yeah, um, last week I watched a film called After Sun, and it's uh, definitely one of my favorite movies of the year, uh, 2022, 2023. Uh, just a beautiful movie with a really powerful message. Uh, it's just about a <clears throat> Scottish dad and daughter that go on a holiday. And uh, yeah, they're in Turkey uh, at an, a resort, but you keep sort of seeing um like you see it from the perspective of the daughter during the trip and then 20 years later reminiscing on the trip and the memories and what's happened in her life uh with her and her father kind of since and um it has such a powerful ending i oh my god like after the credits i went to bed crying it's very very heavy um and a really thought-provoking film too um so i watched that i loved it it's just it's beautiful with a really, really strong message. So check out After Sun if you haven't. Um, and then the other two I watched the other night, I um, I was watching some tapes. So I watched uh, Ghost. Oh, with, hell yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, with Swayze. Yeah. And Whoopi Goldberg, Demi Moore. Um, classic movie. A lot of people think who haven't seen this, oh, it's like a, a chick flick or this. Like even Not the. Really, yeah. Even even the cover like doesn't do yeah. it justice. Like th this movie is almost like a like I don't know. It's weird. It's like it's like a neo noir mystery movie. It's like yeah. It's it. almost yeah. it's almost like a movie for dudes. More. It's strange. Like it's like it's a crime movie, a mystery. Yeah, murder mystery sort of. Um, man, this movie is is fucking awesome like and the ending uh, is like i was crying at the ending I mean, oh man it, ghost it. is a beautiful movie man i love this i was super happy to get it on tape um and Whoopi goldberg's fantastic in it too yeah. she's so good she won and, the oscar too for her role in that yeah movie. she was she's very good in this man 
And I don't know, I'm a, I'm a huge Patrick Swayze fan. He was awesome. This and Roadhouse and a few others, man. Um, great. And obviously Demi Moore, she's just, oh, she's so real in it and just emotional and just, uh, what, what a beautiful film this is, man. So I watched Ghost for like the hundredth time. I love it. And then another movie I watched for the 500th time. I think I've talked about this movie before because I watched this like probably twice a year. It's the mask, Jim Carrey. I smoke Love it. it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this movie is oh, it's awesome. Uh uh initial performance from uh Cameron Diaz. This was her first um full full feature uh film. Uh Jim Carrey's great. And you know what? The animation's good in it too. There's some parts where it's a little bit questionable, but you know what, man? This movie holds up. It's great, it's fun, it's funny. Yeah. The dog's great in it. The villain's great in it. The music rocks. They kind of tried try to bring swing back this movie. It yeah, did, but... yeah, that's right. They got like the jazz lounge, the pinstripe then, suits. Uh, yeah, he, play, he plays that Cuban Cuban Pete song, and he's dancing, and all the cops are like, they're all like, you know, engulfed in his in his shit. I absolutely love the scene when they're like chasing him through the alley, and he stops like all the bad guys, and he's like pulling stuff out of his pockets. He pulls out a condom. He's like, oh, sorry, wrong pocket. He's like pulling all this stuff out. He like pulls out like this gun. He's like making all these balloons and shit. And he's like, <laughs> man, uh, dude, the mask is great. Jim Carrey. Uh, it's such a classic. Well, I mean, what else can you say? Um, but uh, yeah, that's all I watched this week. Um, what about you, Tom? Did you, uh, what'd you watch? I watched a few things this week, actually. I watched on Netflix, the You People movie with Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy. I thought that was a pretty good movie about like an interracial couple being today, but having like very core values to their own beliefs. It kind of made me like think about more of like my, like my upbringing in a sense. Like how would my parents react to this kind of, because they're pretty like dead in their own kind of own roots. But it was really good and a good ending and it kind of had a good message to kind of learn from it as well. Also, I watched... Um, the movie I went to see the movie playing with Gerard Butler in theater. Yeah, I fell asleep during this movie. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it that much. It's like the same, like oh, it's like Con Air, but like bad. Yeah, Con, Con Air. Good. I was gonna say Con Air is bad. Good. Con Air was yeah, great. Con Air had Dave Chappelle in it. Oh yeah! Oh shit! That's right. Uh, it was, I love Con Air, but it was like that, but it was like bad. It was like, I have to trust this one criminal. And it's kind of like, like those movies have been like the whole like theme of it's been played out like numerous times. Right. It yeah. seemed. I was also like severely drunk though when I went to the theater too as well. So I had to play. <laughs> that might have been. I had, a little bit, I had a little bit to play in it because I remember I was like, oh, I have a lot of time to kill before this movie. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to the bar. And I, remember, <laughs> I had the most delicious though at a smoked old fashioned with maple syrup. Oh, top man. tier. If you're ever in the Fort McMurray area, definitely go to Banquet and get one. Dude. Other than that, I also watched for the first time Jackass Forever. I just got Paramount Plus. But I thought that was like, if like, I remember growing up, like, I believe like all of us were like in grade six when the first movie came out for that. Yeah. And it was just kind of nice to see this. Like, they're all, like, they're, it's weird to see how much they've aged, like, dramatically as well at the same yeah. time. But, and it's cool that they're bringing in like new cast members. So I hope it kind of continues up like a new generation, essentially. Like, here, these are now your guys's. I also went to see as well i saw this movie it's also on netflix it's called at zola it's about this like two um pole dancer girls that eventually want to make it's like this like murder mystery kind of it's it's short it's kind of fucked up a little but it's about how this woman like convinces her to like come with her to miami and eventually but instead of she thinks they're just like pole dancing and stuff like that but she's it's guys like trying to pimp them out and stuff like that that's cool and a lot of shit happens twitter thread as well too i think that's where yes it is because that's why it's called at zola because that was her twitter handle right yeah and last night i went to see the second avatar movie which was visually stunning but I also think that the storyline was, it was okay. I didn't mind it. But at the same time, it was like, this is almost like the first one. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I'd recommend, I wouldn't mind going to see it. Took a few micro doses. You'd be having a blast. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I know I've, I've heard Avatar. Uh, actually, a uh, little fun fact for the listeners. I've actually never seen 
Avatar, the first one, oh, the, wow. in, in its entirety. I've seen like probably the first half hour, 40 minutes. And then I, for whatever reason, I checked out. Um, so I have to, I have to kind of gallop through that one. And then eventually I'll, I'll see Avatar too. But my brother, who's a big fan of the original film, he said the exact same thing as you, Tom. He said, uh, visually just striking, but oh yeah, it's not beautiful. not much substance, and and it's so long, right? That's another thing. Like towards, it's like three hours. I remember, but in the I was like, I'm also like, because it was like full packed theater. I'm like, I got came there kind of late, so I'm like near the front, the reclining seats. I always said, the moment that seat goes back, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. done. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm the but same yeah. way. I don't put it all the way back anymore. I put it a little bit back because if I put it all the yeah. way back, I'm going to like... I know, but I'm also like state. very close. So I kind of had to, to kind of get the right <laughs> angle. Right. Yeah. When you're up front, you got to really tilt your neck up. Yeah. So I was like, fuck this. I'm I'm getting old now. <laughs> <laughs> can't go too, can't go too far back in the recliner because I'll sleep. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'll sleep. <laughs> Pretty much. But yeah, that's all that I went to see this week. Cool. All right. Well, um, I, I watched a few things as well, too. I went I rolled out, obviously, to the Mayfair Theater for the world world premiere of Enter the Drag Dragon, which um, just from, as a theater going experience was probably like one. It was probably the biggest crowd I've seen in a theater in, I don't know, it's five years. Like it was a sold out, sold out Mayfair crowd. The longest popcorn line I've ever seen at that building. It went all the way up through the lobby into the theater around the exit back down the lobby it was absolutely nuts there it was crazy packed they had uh guys with cameras i guess they were doing a little documentary probably part of the movie um filming stuff um to give a quick a real quick broad summary of enter the Dra drag dragon it's about a uh drag queen named crunch who has a a friend uh named oh god i can't remember her name it's been so long since i saw this movie like two weeks ago but uh it also has phil caracas who was starred in uh lee demarb's uh last movie uh jesus christ vampire hunter is the lead he's in this movie too kind of like their little sensei they live at the mayfair the the mayfair theater and they they train they watch like old kung fu movies and i guess just to give some context this movie was directed by lee demarb who is also the owner of the mayfair theater so uh, what I liked about this movie, too, is that it's a straightforward kind of pastiche of, like, kung fu cinema. There's this storyline involving this, like, criminal syndicate in the city who are uh, doing up to no good, and they're kind of trying to stop them. And what's kind of fun, too, is the main uh, character of Crunch. Uh, three different drag queens play Crunch, so there's various moments in the movie where, like, someone gets hit by a car, and there's, like, a big, you know unveil where they get unwrapped and it's like they did plas plastic surgery and it's like a, a different drag queen. It was actually pretty funny. Um I, I will say I was actually a little bit surprised that this movie was going to be, you know, obviously pretty bad. It's based on kind of deferential kind of B movie sensibilities, but I actually really enjoyed it. I thought, I think one of the things that really helped this movie, and this seems to be kind of a common thread for a lot of kind of low budget local indie movies is kind of the rise of like drone technology for filming stuff. Like there are parts of this movie where, you know, we have drones like flying over the car while it's driving. It looks like I'm watching like a Michael Bay movie. I think this, these new drone technologies that we have for filming uh, small films, films with like very, very low budgets. It really helps to make these things feel expansive. And, you know, that's, that's not to say, you know, stuff like CGI doesn't help, but obviously these new camera techniques helps to make things feel even more epic and bigger scale. So they did a lot of stuff where they kind of had this drone technology and they kind of used it for fun, really enjoyed it, but it was a really fun kind of love letter to the city of Ottawa where it actually used different locations in the city and there was some kind of fun nods to stuff in Ottawa. So it was a really great Ottawa movie, which I really loved, um, which isn't unlike the other movies he's done in the past, but this one in particular, it really stood out. And um, I have to mention as well, just for the sake of honesty and accountability, I might appear in this movie in the final scene in the theater. Oh, yeah. And I might also have my name in the credits along with my wife. So I'm a little bit biased. Um, so, you know, take my opinion uh, for, for whatever granted, I guess, um, as I have a stake in the movie, not financially, just the ego and personal. So, uh, but if you want to see me in the movie, uh, check it out. I'm sure it's, it's, it's actually playing right now in Ottawa at the Bytown now. And I think it's probably going to get some kind of Canada wide release at the indie circuit. Um, eventually, I don't know when, um, I was reading a comment saying that he wants to kind of get this movie in as many theaters as it can I, I don't i hope there'll be like a blu-ray release or something i would i'd love to get it just to kind of have a movie where i'm i'm in in the fucking on the shelf so um had a great time great the crowd was fucking having a blast a lot of laughs um it was a great time um also watched a few other things i've been 
watching i've been kind of doing a terminator series watch through and it's been a long time since i've seen any of the terminator movies and my wife hasn't seen any of them either either so been watching them with her so watched the first terminator the terminator um nice really obviously a really great movie it's kind of interesting because i feel like so much of what i know from terminator is actually from based on terminator 2 like the first terminator, yeah. terminator movie is almost like a it's very much like referential to like Halloween. It's almost like a slasher movie with like Arnold as like kind of the slasher killer. who's this kind of presence that's just never relentless and never ending and chasing these characters. Um, really interesting dark sci-fi story. The idea of the world has ended, but someone's coming back in time to kind of save someone who's going to essentially give birth to the Messiah. Um, the movie is excellent. Um, really great practical effects too. Uh, looks really great. I mean, the movie has like just the the sense of pacing in that one is is incredible. Um, there actually are some people who actually prefer Terminator One to the second one because it's a little bit more almost like a horror film. It's a little bit more. It's it's kind of like got like a edgier tone to it. It's it's a little bit. Um, it's a cheaper budget film. I don't think it's a very low budget film, but it was. I think it was only like five or six million dollars when they made it back in back in eighty three. So it's it doesn't it doesn't feel quite as you know epic in scale as you have with all the new Terminator movies now, which are all like minimum two hundred million dollar flicks. So it, it was. I had a great time rewatching it. It was definitely great. And then of course after I watched Terminator, I instantly was like, I gotta see T two. So I I watched T two. Um, some people might say, you know, maybe the best movie of all time, the best blockbuster movie of all time. I mean, a, a movie much like the one we're going to talk about today, a movie that was like the ultimate dad movie as a kid. Like my dad had this on tape. I also watched this movie like God must have been like 30 times before the age of 12. Like I saw this movie all the time. Um, still really great. Um, it, it's interesting, though, because I feel like there's more in Terminator 2's DNA with like modern like Marvel movies and stuff than like movies before it like it's got like a kid who's like a wise cracky smart aleck and it's it's got it's kind of it's a little bit goofier it's a little bit more fun um it's the kind of movie that comes out now and people online are like snobs and slag about it but i think it's interesting that it has all of these kind of affects which would get done in later uh blockbuster movies but this one just does it so well i mean the it's it's still great the action the scale of it's incredible it looks impressive uh the characterization is great i love uh linda hamilton was amazing i mean she was great in the first movie and she's even better in this one is sort of uh you know someone who's been more ruggedly preparing for this future apocalypse and there's a little bit of dynamic there about kind of the family i think a lot of cameron movies are kind of about that it's about shit going on and crazy stuff sci-fi horror and then it all it all has this kind of like family element of like the family unit with its characters and we see that in this movie with arnold is kind of like the surrogate dad to john connor and sarah connor biologically his mom but not really his mom like doesn't feel that kind of connection she's so traumatized by what she's gone through and also her future what's to come and how that affects her and her relationship and the only the only thing i kind of didn't like about it is that edward furlong he's supposed to be like a 10 year old he's like driving like an electric bike like he seems like he's like 14 in this movie like he does a 10 year old would not be this like cool but i gotta say when i watched it as a kid i'm like oh edward furlong is that john connor i was like man this kid this kid's cool all right uh, but yeah, T2, awesome movie. The sequence when they go to the Sidine building and like they're getting like just shot at. I mean, that's just incredible shit right there. Um, it still looks great too. I think it was one of the first, uh, I think with, what they did with uh, Robert Patrick, I think that was like the first full CGI character that they did or one of the earliest ones. And it, it looks it looks incredible. Like God, it still looks really good even to this day, the way they did the animation um, in that movie um so that would those are the two terminator ones i watched i also watched a few other things i went i went and saw infinity pool in the theaters uh the new brandon cronenberg movie the his follow-up to possessor there's been some people a bit negative on this movie oh it's kind of interesting i feel like a lot of people are saying how this movie much like triangle of sadness in the menu there's this kind of wave of post parasite movies that are all about you know criticizing the class systems and the wealthy and and kind of showing the monstrousness of the wealthy and i guess to some people that's a little bit redundant but i mean i thought this movie was very good i thought it was the body horror in this in particular was quite strong it's about a uh, a couple um I, I can't remember his name i think it's uh one of the scars brothers um he plays like the main Alexander, yeah. I, I mixed them because I just watched a movie with Bill and I'm like, ah, oh, there's like seven of them. They just constantly pop them out. Uh, so Alex Skarsgård, he plays this like writer um, who's 
wrote a wrote a novel but he's kind of struggling he hasn't written many years his wife's actually kind of like a his breadwinner he goes to this kind of like white lotus-esque uh like resort where uh, mia goth is there with her husband and she's apparently a big fan of his book and she's like obsessed with him and it i mean it, it couldn't get better casting than mia goth because the movie is so predicated on you being down bad for this like the hot crazy scale up to here girl and i feel like there's a million guys on Letterboxd on Twitter who are extremely down bad for Mia Goth who would very much relate to this movie and this character because the movie's kind of predicated on uh, would you continue to put up with these horrible things and do these horrible things because uh, you're down bad for Mia Goth. And I feel like most of the horror fans on Letterboxd and Twitter would do these things. So I thought it was pretty kind of fun. It's sort of like the idea of rich people being able to get away with horrible acts of violence and crime because of their status because in this in this uh place that they're vacationing at this island um this tragedy happens and the way to kind of avoid being you know having a harsh jail sentence or execution is that well you can actually clone yourself and then the clone gets killed and that's sort of these characters then kind of do terrible things and their clones get the brunt of it so it's very very creepy there's um, a lot of weird sexual stuff going on so it was right up my alley uh but uh, some people i guess I, I don't know if i would say it's as good as possessor i think that's still my favorite of his but um, i i really enjoyed infinity cool i thought it was a very strong uh solid movie as well and uh i also watched one on netflix called blood red sky it's like a vampire and on a plane movie i thought it was pretty fun i went into it kind of blind um i thought the vampire effects were pretty cool it kind of had like a salem's lot affect going on i think it's a I think it's a german movie it's about this woman with her son on a plane there's hijackers that want to take over the plane and crash it so there's this kind of plane hijack plot going on but it turns out the woman who's getting these strange medical injections acting all weird uh she gets shot by one of the guys you think she's dead turns out nope she's a vampire and so she's kind of then going gotcha. after these guys and i like that part of it but the movie was so fucking long and there's like all this back um flashbacks to like how she became a vampire and i gotta i gotta say like i don't even think any of that shit was it really necessary because like i don't really need to know the ins and outs of how, how she became a vampire it didn't really add much to the movie and it, it was like a good like 20 to 30 minutes of the movie and i'm like if we could have cut that out i feel like it would have been stronger and more punchy and i feel like the pacing of this movie uh was a little bit off because of it but i actually really enjoyed it some people didn't like it um it's got some pretty mixed reviews but i just thought the it was kind of an interesting take on kind of vampire horror and also the action and it was pretty fun um really good i thought the actress who played uh i can't remember her name but the actress the german actress who played the the main woman in this um she really did a great job in, as kind of the, in, in the role of this like monstrous vampire like really creepy almost like a Nosferatu monster it was really really good physical acting I thought um, in, in that as well um, and the last one I watched um, it's a classic slasher film from 1981 I think this actually came out the week the same week that Friday the 13th part 2 came out um, this one's called The Burning it's about this uh, killer who was this camp staff member who they pulled a prank on him he got severely burned and you know it's years later and i guess he lives in the woods and he has like a hedge trimmer that's that's his weapon and uh george costanza himself baby jason alexander's in the movie which is so funny because half of the movie is just kind of like meatballs-esque like camp you know counselor sex comedy shit going on and all the boys are hanging out and i cannot like unhear george because they're all chatting and i hear like maybe you should take her out or whatever and i'm like all i hear is george costanza and it's <laughs> It, that part of the movie is actually pretty funny it's actually a pretty like diverse kind of group of kids like they're pretty fun um but um the, the problem with this movie though is i think it was the first miramax movie the script is co-written by harvey weinstein the whole film was shot produced written by all the weinsteins there's like four or five extended scenes where a guy is trying to get his girl to like bang him and to the point of basically sexual assault so i mean this movie has some demonic evil energy to it that i don't know what to make of it because it's because of its real life implications but um it's got tom savini uh, special effects work so the special effects in this Ooh. the practical gore is actually quite good i think that actually carries the movie over its evil sex pest rapist script um and the ending's kind of a mess because it's like they go to this bunker and i can't see what the fuck is going on and i don't know horror junkies love this movie i thought it was mid but it, it, i had a good time with it other than its fucking horrific implications in the script but that's that's about it for me uh i would say maybe pirate it don't support the wine scenes financially maybe i'll say that um so that was about it for me on my end. Um, I guess now we could talk uh, Temple of Doom. So, Tom, we we started talking about you coming back on the podcast. We were talking about, you know, movies you'd be interested in talking about. 
I had, I think I mentioned, cause I think we had just done the Raiders episode. I'm like, Oh, we did Raiders. And you, you mentioned being a huge fan of Temple of Doom. So oh, Temple of Doom was my favorite. So I guess I'll just give you, give you the platform right now to, to speak on it. So like, why did you want to come on for Temple of Doom? What is it about Temple of Doom that made you? So when I was like, I was a kid and my cousin made me watch it with him when I was like, I don't know, like six or seven years old. And I remember be watching this movie and I remember being like scared shitless about watching it. I remember being like, this movie is fucking terrifying and whatnot. And I remember I was like horrified. I couldn't sleep at night. I remember because of it. I remember watching like the sacrifice scene and being like this. I remember being like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's an edgy movie, I guess. More more broadly, I guess, Quinn, like, do, do you remember your first time watching Temple of Doom or what was your first experience with with this movie? <clears throat> I do. I was also a kid and uh, I watched it at, at a babysitter's house and I immediately gravitated towards the film. I, I think I saw it maybe a little bit too, too young. And I actually saw this one first. This was the first mm. Indiana Jones movie that I saw. And what really like brought my attention, of course, was a uh, short round. Like I was like, Oh, this like cool little kid. Like, you know, he like, cause like I was probably maybe I was probably the same age as short round in the movie, like maybe a little bit younger, but like he, he became my friend in the movie. Like I looked up to him more than I looked up to Indiana Jones. Cause I didn't really know the prem premise of the movie, but uh, fuck man movie fucking blew my mind. Like mm -hmm. this is definitely one of the, I think this might be, I think other than ET, this was like my first Spielberg movie. I think, I think this might've been number two. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, man, I, I instantly gravitated towards short round and uh, and then like I didn't see Raiders till like years later, like a few years after that. Oh, wow. Really? Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like it was this was I, I'm 99 percent sure this was the first one. And then like since it was a series, like I was like, oh, cool. I have to check the other ones out. Didn't happen right away. It happened like way later. And now like. I don't know. This is arguably my favorite Indiana Jones out of the series for, for me personally. But yeah, uh, cool. Yeah. For, for me, I think I had a similar experience too. I think this actually might've been, I can't remember exactly, but I think this also was my first Indiana Jones movie. Um, you know, my experience was, I, I was joking at the start, like this was like, this is in the dad movie canon. I mean, I have my parents, my dad had this, these movies on tape, the, the whole three of the original yeah, trilogy. The box I'm, set. I'm a 91 baby. So when I, I was born into these movies existing. So these were movies that my, my family had. And I remember watching all of these a lot as a kid. My favorite was last crusade, but um watching all these like i think i've seen this movie like a dozen or so times before i was like 12 years old like i'd watched this movie endlessly and as a kid I, I think this was the first indiana jones i saw and there was a couple of things first of all the the continuity of the series this is like one of the first movies i remember watching as a kid the idea of like we're gonna do a prequel sequel like the idea of like messing around the timeline because as a kid i just felt like a sequel was like right after the next movie um but this movie it, of course it takes place a year before raiders so as a kid i was always a little bit confused by the the story especially once i eventually watched raiders and watched this one mm -hmm. i think watching raiders after was con really confusing because i'm like okay so this is the first movie but it's like a different characters and that part was uh, confusing and also obviously as tom was saying how dark this movie is it's a very this this is one of the movies that actually created the pg-13 rating because this was a pg movie and this movie has quite a lot of gore and bloody sacrifice and hearts being ripped out of chests and uh watching this as a kid i was like wow this is a pretty dark movie i had a really hard time getting into it as a kid because it's so dark compared to raiders and the last crusade which are almost like two of the same kind of movies like the last yeah. crusade is almost like a reaction to this movie in that it's like okay we're going back to what worked with raiders and what didn't work with Ra with this one um i guess before we get into it i just want to kind of give a quick summary so um again i would recommend as well if you didn't watch raiders listen to our episode talking raiders of the lost ark so this one is a prequel to raiders of the lost ark um, where Indiana Jones, he's in Shanghai. Uh, we get the, I think the only time Spielberg did a musical, the great musical opening number, the little like uh, any, anything goes. Anything I, goes. I, I think that was a really fucking fun intro to the movie uh, with the song and the title credits coming in, like how the characters go around them. Really cool shit going on with that. Uh, but we find out Indiana Jones is there because um, he was hired to retrieve these artifacts. He's also joined by a little Chinese orphan sidekick named Short Round, which 
kind of interesting to talk about this movie now. If you had told me a, a year ago that the kid from Short Round would be nominated for a Best Supporting Actor in the upcoming Oscars, I would have been, you know, what are you talking about? But um, Kiwi Kwan, this little boy Kiwi Kwan in this one, the movie, I guess this along with Goonies, are really the only movies he made of any notes, uh, obviously before mm-hmm. his comeback recently with Everything Anywhere All at Once. So um, he plays this little Chinese sidekick. And then, of course, Willie Scott, who's the nightclub singer, she kind of ends up involved in this little mishap that happens where Andy's poison trying to get the poison they're getting shot at they escape um, they end up boarding a plane we find out the plane is actually controlled by these bad guys they crash it they escape long story short they end up in India where they go to this village where a statue the um uh the statue the uh Shiva Shivala Linga I guess is that the uh, sacred stone that they have uh the Shivalinga has been taken and all the children are gone as well. All the children have been taken. So Andy kind of ends up kind of reluctantly on this mission to, you know, both kind of rescue the children, but mostly to find the stone because he wants to get the stone and, you know, could get some money out of this. So that's really where this movie kind of goes to. And obviously um, what was kind of interesting about reading about this movie is because, you know, obviously looking at this movie now, there's a lot of people who look at this movie and I, and again, I just want to preface this. We're a bunch of white guys talking about a movie. That's like the most like racist fucking mainstream ass movie ever. So if you're someone of a different culture and you find this movie offensive, I can't say what to feel all to say that this movie is so cartoonishly like racist that it's almost like hard to take seriously. Like it's so out there with like the monkey brains and shit. It's almost oh, yeah. like the dinner it's scene. Comical. It really, it's actually like, it's very much like the, the old racist serialized stuff that the indie series was based off of all these like old timey um, serialized action thrillers, Errol Flynn style action kind of serials. And this movie is obviously kind of aping from that to a crazy degree. Um, So this movie obviously came after Raiders. Raiders was a massive hit. I think for its time, it was the biggest box office uh, success story of, or one of the top biggest box office movies of all time. Certainly had the biggest legs of any box office movie. It did extremely well for such a long period of time, almost up to a year. It was still kind of like Top Gun this year. Like Top Gun was, I went to see Top Gun like months, like ha- like over a year after it came out and the theater still had like seven people in it. Like had, had movies back then had big legs. They would be in theaters for a long time and people would come out to them. Um, So this one came out then. What was interesting is this movie kind of got produced during a kind of a dark time for both Spielberg and Lucas. They both had relationships. They were married. They were going through divorces. So both men were kind of in weird emotional states. And actually, I, I was surprised Spielberg actually disowned this movie. And to this day, he still disowned, disowned it because to him, he finds this movie kind of repulsive. He associates it with a really bad time of his life. He thinks the movie is like really gross and mean spirited. And I mean, it kind of is. It's definitely the most fucking yeah. spirited Lucas or Spielberg movie. I mean, it's hard not to. I, the irony, of course, is that um, Kate Capshaw, who plays Willie Scott, him and she met Spielberg on this film. And now to this day, they're still married. So he kind of met the the future love of his life in this movie. But it's kind of hard not to see what he's going through with like short rounded Indiana Jones bullying Willie for like the good first hour of this movie. I'm like, bro, like take it down a notch. They're just shitting on her constantly for the first half of this movie. I got to say, I don't know. What, what do you guys think of Willie? Cause a lot of people don't like her character compared to Marion in the last movie. Um, yeah, I, I'm yeah. I, I'm not a big fan at all, to be honest. Um, yeah. She, no, she she's not it. I find her acting terrible and she's just sort of out of place. And yeah, that's why like I posted that family guy joke with Stewie uh, a short round. Yeah. And he's like, lady only here because she humping director. Like <laughs> actually true. Like, yeah, I yeah, I think she's terrible. And it seems like he just gave her like a like a pass because he was like, I don't know, he liked her or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I remember my uncle trying to explain to me that as a kid. He's like, you know how this woman got this role? He kind of just like, <laughs> yeah, like, like hey, you know you're like, I don't understand, uncle. I have not hit puberty yet. Please explain. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, fuck, well, here's well, the casting couch, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I, I actually, I, I kind of liked her in this because I think like yeah. she's such a damsel in distress, like compared to Marion. I mean, first of all, Marion is not this like, she has a couple of good scenes, but she spends a lot of Raiders being like, Andy. And like yeah. being rescued, so she's not exactly fucking Xena the warrior princess, but like <laughs> I actually like the fact that Willie is such a fish out of water in this movie. Like she's literally like she literally says like I broke a nail, and she's so yeah. she's so feminine and so such like a complete opposite that her character actually kind of I actually kind of liked her character because she's so 
not at all like a total outcast in this movie. And I got to say, I really like Short Round in this movie. I think he's a incredibly charming, very cute kid and great performance by Kiwi Kwan. Like the scene where Indy gets like mind controlled and he has to break yeah. out. Like he has some really good, good performance there. I, I thought he was really great in this movie. And usually like the kids, the kid roles that as a kid I used to relate to or like as an mm-hmm. adult, I tend to find them corny or distracting. But I actually thought Short Round was like one of the best parts of this movie. I thought he was really fun, really great. And kind of sucks that he never came back in the next one or, or anything like that because uh, yeah. he brought a lot to the movie, I thought. And it definitely Could've added some like- levity to an otherwise dark ass movie. Great, a, gr- a great, a great sidekick. I agree. I think they could have done like, like an in in an Indian short round series, like sort of like a branch yeah. off. Because like, I mean, he would have got older. He would have got more useful. Exactly. But like, yeah. dude, I, I don't know. I, I thought short round was fucking awesome in this. And I think for the intro, by the way, we got to do the okie dokie, Doctor Jones. Hold on to your potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god i was dying it's like uh, i was like how's yeah. the kid driving you see if he's got the blocks on the oh pedals. yeah i thought that was great <laughs> that's so fun uh so obviously the, the thing when you watch this movie is you're kind of like okay like it's a much different setting characters so part of the reason it was after raiders came out um they wanted to make a new movie and the idea behind the original idea behind the indiana jones as a series was you know they didn't have this idea of we're gonna have this trilogy or plot line we're just gonna do different adventures, different locations, Indiana Jones being kind of the only unifying factor, kind of like what you would have seen with a lot of those classic old serials that, you know, Lucas and Spielberg were deferential to. Those were the kind of plots that you saw in those movies. They didn't have like a continuum. There was no cinematic universe. It was just, you know, kind of monster of the week kind of episode, every, every serial. So they kind of thought about that with this movie. They realized they couldn't really do the Nazis again because it would have been if they did any sequel, it would have just been the Nazis. So they decided to do a prequel where they could focus on something uh, totally different. There was actually a lot of alternate plot lines discussed. There was an idea of Indiana Jones going to China where they would, they would run into dinosaurs. This was pre-Jurassic Park, so they couldn't really do that with the effects of the time. They also had the idea of doing like a haunted house in Scotland, which I think would have been really kind of cool. Um but they actually had originally hired Laura Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Raiders, to do the script for this movie. Um, but he later rejected it. He said, I didn't want to be associated with Temple of Doom. He reflected, I just thought it was horrible. It's so mean. There's nothing pleasant about it. I think Temple of Doom represents a chaotic period in both their lives. The movie is very ugly and mean-spirited. <laughs> um, so they ended up, the, the duo that co-wrote American Graffiti wrote this one instead. Um, obviously, this is a pretty dark and mean-spirited movie, but... I, I would say the thing I like about this movie is that I don't think it's actually ugly at all. I think, in fact, this movie it looks incredible. So much like red and green, like a lot of oh, deep reds in this. I was the listening visuals to, of it. Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of the uh, podcast, The Important Cinema Club. They were discussing this movie. And one of the things that I found interesting was uh, one of the co-hosts, Will Sloan, said that um, – you know, he was watching the middle part of the movie. So the part where they, they go, they go visit this big palace. Um, the, uh, the, what is it? The Pancot Pancot or. Uh, yeah. Pancot. Yeah. So they go to Pancot Palace where the prime minister's there. It's kind of weird. That's where they eat the bugs and all that shit. Um, little kind of fun scene there. And we find out there's this thuggy cult. There's this kind of cult that worships Kali, who they believe is responsible for this tragedy that's gone on. Um, when they're in their dormitories, there's that kind of fun scene too, where Indy and, and Willie are kind of having the like, will they, won't they kind of romance thing. That's a really fun scene. Uh, but uh, there's a man who tries to come in and kill Indiana Jones. He ends up finding this secret cave. And that's where the movie, rest of the movie kind of kicks off as they go through this secret cave entrance where they discover the palace of where Kali is and where uh, Mola Ram is the kind of big bad in this movie. Um, and so, the, this, the part there where they go through that cave with the bugs, it's so red. It, oh. I, I was listening to the podcast. He's like, you could have put a goblin score over it. It kind of felt like an Italian horror film, which definitely has a kind of Euro horror feel. It's very creepy. Um, the the way it's shot, too, is very, like, kind of really... It has, like, almost like a Mondo movie feel, like a cannibal Holocaust kind of feel to it. It's very much of that kind of affect. Um, but that scene, too, is really... As a kid, I found that scene so fucking scary with the oh, bugs. Oh, man. With the, the you got to stick your hand through thing. to get the uh, lever. I remember being like, I couldn't do it. I'd be like, goodbye. You're dying. And, and re-watching it, I was still like that. I was like, oh, when he's, like, sticking his hand in, like, all the centipedes yeah. are climbing up her leg. I still was, like, wincing watching that. So, I mean, that's such a fucking effective scene. Um, so... Of course, they end up at this fucking big palace, which Kali is actually a real, I uh, believe, Hindu god, by the way. I don't think 
extensively a or exclusively an evil god but kind of a powerful god of hubris and and i'm i'm fucking i don't know my hindu gods very well so if you're listening feel free to clarify but um that's all to say we find out that they have the stone there along with other stones they're trying to find all these stones together so they can um sensibly raise this powerful god and you know basically it's kind of like a take over the world plot their idea that this this god will take over um it's kind of funny that the indiana jones already kind of uh, codifies in the first movie that god is real that the christian god is real but then in this one it's like oh yeah cali is also real so it's kind of the idea of that all the religions are kind of real in their own way they're all powerful the movie doesn't really have any kind of particular slant with uh with its kind of mythology but um there's a great of course great sequence when uh they get kidnapped so they're both short rounds put in the prison and when they go to that big cave where all the kids are slaves and and doing the pickaxing when you hear the screaming that was really right. scary to rewatch. i thought that was really disturbing where you're like man these kids are just literal slaves and all you hear is yelling and screaming and pain and anguish and it's really uh, really fucking dark whipped. it's really gross yeah, it's really fucking disturbing. We even get Indiana Jones punching, slapping Short Round in the face because he gets he has to drink that blood that turns yeah, gets him into possessed. The, possesses him, and he's all. And I gotta say, Harrison Ford apparently for this movie he put on like I think twenty or thirty pounds of muscle. Like he worked out. He looks pretty cut in this movie. He looks pretty jacked. I gotta say, like bro's jacked. He looks jacked. Yeah, this is definitely like peak jacked Harrison Ford. Like he's he looks he's he's he he lifts folks he lifts but um yeah pretty pretty scary shit but then of course uh short rounds hits them with the the torch that gets them out of it and they it's a great scene too because Mar- uh, not i almost called her marion but willie's being lowered to that lava we see earlier with that guy gets his fucking oh, heart man. ripped out lowered in the lava it's really fucking disturbing and god, that's crazy yeah oh god and before he even hits the lava because it's so hot he catches on fire and he's basically melting yeah. oh god it's it's pretty pretty intense pretty brutal but all to say uh uh had a great time watching it (laughs) phenomenal oh man yeah and uh i I think uh you know the movie kind of goes on of course uh also want to give a shout out to pat roach who's a famous character actor always playing the big the big guys he's in all the indiana jones movies he's in the first one he's the guy who unfortunately gets the propeller uh, in the in the face or whatever and he's uh he's kind of sadly in brown face but he's great he's this big hulking guy who uh, gets like i think he gets like steamrolled or whatever over the, the yeah thing. for the like, rock crusher oh man he's really great in it too i really liked mola ram very terrifying the film really like it's it's obviously like kind of appropriating kind of like hindu culture but it's also taking a lot of culture from other sources like the idea of like human sacrifice coming a lot of it from like aztec and hawaiian culture so they kind of took a lot of extra stuff to make it even more monstrous there's even a little bit of like european devil worship involved in kind of characterization too so it, it that's why like I, i'm not going to say the movie isn't fucking racist or offensive but it's so over the top it's so campy it's so unrealistic that it's and honestly like it's 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 not even really all that mean-spirited because it's just like it doesn't play it off as like look how you know horrible this culture is it's kind of just like you feel like an outsider out of your element in this place where there's a mix of both good and bad people and you're 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 kind of meant to see that this particular slant of their culture is is twisted and monstrous and evil and going against what is good and we see that the movie has a really for a fucking terrible move like a a scary movie it has a pretty happy ending where indy saves all the kids and they're all hugging him or whatever at the end um that final sequence is so great when they break out of the cave Uh, the sense of geography the sense of geography in this movie. I always talk about movies that have really good geography. I love them. This movie, it fucking clicks along. They escape Shanghai. They're in the plane. They fucking jump out in that boat. And like, there's just so, there's so much shit happening in this movie. This movie really is an adventure because even more than I would say, even maybe a little bit more than Raiders, there's just, there's no downtime in this movie. Raiders has a lot of scenes with Indy at the university and there's the more heartfelt scenes between him and Marion that are a little bit more straight laced. This movie has none of that. It's just, shit happening constantly there's a minecart chase which happens in this too it's just it that's never a great ending. scene so yeah. minecart chain i thought it was more like like the video game like donkey kong country like yeah, used yeah. to play that's what it reminded me of and i always yeah. thought that that would have been a sick theme park ride at universal studios or something i agree that's awesome that's a great idea i think the uh the donkey kong minecart was actually again based off of this because this came out first so i think oh really yeah i think that's actually where that comes from and another little piece of trivia is that dan Aykroyd actually plays the uh, guy who 
ushers them out of Shanghai. The the guy who's like, come with us, get in the plane. That's actually Dan Aykroyd. He's credited as such. And I, oh, I really? really watched it because I'm like, what? And it actually definitely, you don't really see his face. Clearly, he kind of just walks really quickly. Like the camera, we were saying, you know, Spielberg's the god of cut, cuts, but Spielberg's use of moving the camera is so good. And like the way he follows them, you don't really see his face, but you hear his voice and it definitely sounds like Dan Aykroyd kind of putting on a little bit of like a transatlantic affect somewhat. Uh, but yeah, it's it's incredible. Like it, the movie just clicks along. Um, I think this might actually even be my favorite Indiana Jones movie rewatching it. I think it's so dark, so twisted, um, but does it? there's no scenes. There's no point where I'm bored at all. It just really moves along. It's genuinely scary at times, too, um, and really thrilling. Like some of the sequences, like at the end with the bridge, that's a really yeah, great, that was scene a great shots scene. the bridge, but also like, hold on, lady. When Mola Ram falls, like I don't know if that was like a post. I have I have it on Blu-ray. I don't know if they edited the fucking scene, but yes. like, it looks really good. Like when he's falling with the effects and he hits the kind of side. Maybe that was a special edition add-on. As these the problem with these filmmakers like Spielberg and Lucas is they they take their old movies and then they're like, oh yeah, we redid them and they add in new shit and like. It makes for I've, a confusing fucking experience sometimes watching these. I found out there's more to it than why they do that, though. Apparently, it's because they were, def- like you were saying before, like they were going through divorce and whatnot. Yeah. And apparently, a lot of their wives were getting royalties still because of their divorce. But they, due to like filmmaking law, if you change a movie enough, it's a totally different movie. So they don't actually get any more money from that. <laughs> wow. These guys, That's these why guys you see like- that. <laughs> Like for George to avoid Lucas, alimony, these guys are yeah, just fucking exactly. divorced dads, fucking movie divorced dad movie makers. They're just like, well, that's why you don't see any of like the original Star Wars films anymore. It's because yeah, of that, except like how it was. Yeah, rem- you, they, yeah, they've never sold them officially. The the original ones, like the pre yeah. the pre ninety seven ones, which. Uh, I mean, the, the the other part of it, too, is, I mean, they are the original creators of these movies. So if, if anyone's going to edit their movies, they are the rightful owners and they have the right to do so. But I kind of wish they would just have both like the original copy and the original cut and the special edition cut available for both because they both have merit. And the fact that they make these edits or cuts and then you can never watch the original one again, especially from a kind of film preservation side of things. I think that's kind of. I, there's something really gross about that I don't like, but that's all to say. I'm just on my soapbox here, but um, I guess any other thoughts, this movie, I mean, this movie, I also want to mention when this movie came out um, much like the other ones, it was a huge success on tape. It was actually, I believe the, the, one of the highest popular VHS releases when it came out. Of course I have it now on Blu-ray. Um, it was pretty great box office hit as well too. It was the highest opening weekend of 84. It was the third highest gro- uh, grossing film of that year. I think just below Beverly Hills Cop and Ghostbusters. And when it actually, by the time when it finished its original theatrical run, it was uh, the 10th highest grossing film of all time. Um, This movie, what I found kind of interesting reading about this movie though, is that actually there was a lot of mixed reviews when this movie came out. Um, A lot of people, even during its time, were like, this movie is not only pretty fucking dark, but it's a little bit racist. And that was like what people were saying in 1984. So that was definitely on the minds of people and actually they actually filmed i think most of the scenes in india or at least all of it was all filmed in malaysia or in indonesia because they wanted to film in india and they're like yo this is like super racist we won't let you do this and they're kind of like oh okay they're like do you want to change the script they're like nah so they just went there i'm like oh man that's okay so then they knew what they were doing but uh that's all to say like um this movie had a lot of mixed reviews when it came out and that's sort of why like last crusade is really much like a course correction back two raiders the nazis are the big bads again we're going we're moving away from the darker colors the reds the blood we're moving back to kind of the bright colors the going to the sandy tombs it's more based again on like the christian theology um and india specifically like a interpret university explorer doing more of that kind of stuff um but in the years that since it's come out there's been a lot of people who actually now love love this movie there's been a bit of a reappraisal for this movie and i'm kind of glad because i think this movie I actually coming back to this, I haven't I haven't revisited um, the Last Crusade in a while. As a kid, I loved the Last Crusade, but um, compared to Raiders, I actually think I like this movie a little bit more. I think it's just got it just never stops. It's just there's so much shit being thrown at the wall. Um, it's genuinely scary, genuinely dark. Um, the characters are great. Um, I love the story too. That's something about the story. The idea of like Indiana Jones is in it for kind of just the fame and glory, but 
eventually decides like he has to save the kids and maybe i'm getting old but these the save the kids story really appeals to me more than like hunting for the ark i don't know there's something about that that i really enjoy um and i love how like we see that indian village at the start it's like very dark very foreboding and then when the kids come back it's the daytime it's like color and life has been restored it's like indian jones is like restored life to the universe or something it's very something about that i find really kind of fun uh what do you what do you guys think yeah like pretty much yeah. like what you said john it's like really well done i remember as a kid i was like terrified of this but as i grew older i really started to like it more mm-hmm. i remember like again like, i remember i had the box set like my dad had it and whatnot and i remember i used to watch through them but i used to always skip over temple of doom because i was like terrified from it when i was young but now i go back and i'm like this is the best one even though like you said like it's very like like heavily racist and stuff like that and it like really depicts like another people's cultures but it's still like it's fun to watch it's great yeah yeah i agree um i actually reviewed it on my seed struck review page um back in january of 2021 and uh you'll have to check out what i originally gave it but i've upped my score since then nice just slightly um man this movie's it's awesome it wastes no time it doesn't mess around uh just action for an action adventure 80s movie dude this is it this is it i think this is the best indiana jones film ever made um i know a lot of people would be like what what about raiders but there i I will say this there's more boring scenes in raiders than there are in temple of doom temple of doom from start to finish is an energy drink it's brilliant it's brilliant so what would you give uh temple of doom then uh, score wise uh so i gave it a five out of five. I gave it a five oh, out of five. Yeah. It's oh, a great damn. It, it honestly, I think everyone needs to see this movie. This is an 80s action adventure, all-time staple. You need to see this. You need to see all of the Indiana Jones movies. Um, but the you know, the first three, I have the box set as well on tape. And uh, as much as I love Raiders and The Last Crusade, uh, I think this one has the slight edge. This is a a, a great action adventure movie um harrison ford's brilliant uh, uh short round can't remember the gentleman's name um he's fantastic this is a five out of five for me uh what about you tom i gave this a four out of five only because i feel like the ending it's like what you see i forgot about like how like the indian military comes in and like yeah. stops the, i totally forgot about that i remember watching i was like what the fuck i don't remember this and then I'm like, and I was like, yeah, we're here to save the day. I'm like, this is like Jurassic Park when the military comes in at the very end. It's like, you could have just done this at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. The, the kind of, pl- the, like, the senselessness of the movie is kind of odd. Because, like, they don't even really have to go into the cave. Like, it, it, they get to the, the the president's palace or whatever. They get to Pancot. Oh. And then Marion ends up joining, or uh, millions of joining them. She actually could have just stayed behind. Like, she didn't even have to come. Like, they all could have just kind of oh. gone their own ways. But... Um, I also like to touch on the smaller stakes for sure. I wanted to touch like like you said at the beginning how like Willie they kind of just treat her like shit up until that point. So he's like pretty much like you're gonna fuck me or what? Yeah, at the end he's like all right. He's like James Bond at the end. It's like well, (laughs) uh, should we uh, hook up or whatever? But no, fifty-seven times means yes. But we can't be too sexual because then right when they're about to kiss, then we get the elephant squirting the water at them, and they're all like ha 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 ha, and they they go off because it's the eighties. We can't be too uh, sexual in our mainstream uh, PG movies, of course, but. uh, yeah um so that's that's good i gave it a five out of five i love this movie i actually it's kind of interesting because i feel like a lot of people when they think about movies with a big pop culture cultural impact i think raiders obviously and and rightfully so but i actually i found a lot there's a lot to temple of doom that i think is actually maybe a little bit more influential because there's so many scenes and sequences in this movie that have been also done in other works like i think even like a lot of like if you've played the tomb raider games or uncharted like so much of that is coming from mm-hmm. Temple of Doom. And they said like a whole type of movie, like the idea of these kind of uh, jungle, you know, focused, dark, twisted story. Like it's been done in a lot of other things. So this movie has been a very, it's had a very large cultural impact. And I think coming back to it, I really enjoyed it more. I think it's just the, this, this, I don't know if the music is as good as Raiders, maybe less so, but it, the, I think some of the sequences in it are, are amazing. I think 
the characters are pretty fun. It's a little bit more campier. I really like Short Round. I even really like Willie. Again, I thought Willie was kind of a fun fish out of water character, although could have been like maybe a tad less fucking mean to her. Like the first hour is them just shitting on her and like her tripping over herself. And they're like, ha ha ha, silly woman, ha ha ha, for like an hour. I'm like, all right, let's get this shit going. But once they get to the palace and they're eating fucking monkey brains, I was in. I was fucking all in. And it's so fucking good. So dark. So uh, vibrant. It just moves along. There's no slowdown. Um, nothing corny about it either. I really liked Indiana. I thought Harrison Ford's character in this was really good. Like he sells a lot of the sequences, like the sequences where he's an actual danger or pain. I felt like he sold it really well and was really, really held his own in this. And the opening number is great with Anything Goes in Shanghai, the Cole Porter song. Oh man, it's so good. Like it really gets you in the mood. Um, Really, really fun time watching it. So five out of five for me. Um, Curtis also left reviews a little bit more negative. He gave it a 3.5. He said, uh, this is a fun, pulpy entry to the series. I think the setting, fight sequences, uh, special effects, and of course, Harrison Ford, it's all well done. Uh, but he says, doesn't hold a candle to Last Crusade or Raiders. It feels a little bit sillier than those films. And some of the Orientalist racist aspects of these films haven't really aged all that well. He said, I also found Willie and Short Round insufferable, but a lot of good fight scenes and grossness, like the fight with the Rock Crusher and the final battle on the bridge. Uh, the heart removal scene, also a highlight. And he says, I think it's kind of sweet that Cape Cap Shaw ended up with Spielberg in real life. Uh, yeah, it's again kind of funny that this was such a dark, twisted movie for him that he disowns, but he actually met his wife making this movie. So it kind of like worked out i guess there's a kind of like little bit of like um destiny i guess involved with like making a movie like that i will say like it's not like raiders is like the most woke movie like that movie has some fucking race shit going on like the whole like guy that's like wow with the sword like that shit is pretty fucking racist i don't know i i think all these movies are have a baseline level of like it's just you're you're gonna get bombarded with really kind of culturally terrible stuff but it's done in a silly pop pulpy way that um, if you go into it kind of with those expectations in mind, you can kind of enjoy it. But I think this movie is just really enjoyable. I think anyone can kind of really get involved in this movie. So overall, 4.375. We love this movie. It's great. Um, yeah, great. go check it out. You can watch it. I think it's it's not Netflix to stream. It's on Paramount Plus. That's how on, I was able to watch it. Paramount Plus. So folks, get your Paramount Plus subscriptions. Check out Yellowstone. Check out the SpongeBob series. That was the whole reason I even got it. I was like, South God Park, damn it. Right? I got it recently because I was I wanted to watch Smile and there was a discount. So I'm like, oh, I'll just get it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, they have that Jordan Peele Twilight Zone series. Two days ago, they announced the Twilight Zone series has taken off Paramount Plus. It's now going to be sold to like ad services. I'm like, what's the fucking point, man? So I was a little bit annoyed by that. So um, I'd be very so annoyed. You, so you can't watch Twilight Zone. You're going to have to watch it on fucking Tubi or whatever with ads with yogurt ads. So uh, check that out. <laughs> I don't know what is Tubi. I get so many yogurt commercials and like yeah commercials. The big need milk, your calcium, John. Big milk has got their tentacles into Tubi. I'm trying to watch my 70s Italian. I love watching my 70s sexploitation movies with breaks to like Olympians advertising milk. That's my favorite. I love that's that. Right. I think it really may helps the movie uh, click along. Uh, so that's uh yeah, that's Temple of Doom. We loved it. So um what is coming up next? I can barely even remember. What's next week? The let's see the the calendar. Next week is the aha. So next week, Monday next week is Valentine's Day. By the time this comes out, it might already be close to it. But Valentine's Day is coming. It's a time for romance and love. So we're going to be talking uh, another another roundtable discussion. We're going to be talking our some of our favorite romantic comedies, ones we want to spotlight. So I've got a few. I wouldn't say they're like the best romantic comedies, but they're three of the ones that I have an affinity for. So we're going to talk about a few of our ones that we want to spotlight. Um, there's a lot of them out there, so we're not going to touch on every single one, but, you know, just in time for the holiday season, if you want to, you know, watch something romantic with your partners, um, definitely we're going to talk about those. We're going to be doing more of the Ridley Scott watch series as well, too. We're going to be talking Alien next and uh, going through Alien, Blade Runner, and all the original Ridley canon. So we'll be talking those films. Uh, got some more personal canon films uh, coming up as well, too. I think I'll be coming up soon with one of my favorites, Back to the Future. Very excited. Love that movie. Can't wait to talk about that movie. I've seen that movie again, much like Temple of Doom. I've seen it like 30 times. So, you know, I, I, a movie I love. Mayor, you know, man, now that's what I'm talking about. You know, I, I could quote that movie. Man. That's like a movie that's just like wormed its way into my fucking brain. So uh, I can't wait to talk about that one. Um, think about wraps it up. I guess, Tom, is there a certain certain podcast you'd like to uh, plug? 
Oh, I guess you could watch myself and John on the Domestic Pints Only. We rate and review beers. If you're more than welcome to con on, come on our podcast as well, if you have a beer that you would like to try. Yeah, we, we usually focus on like Canada craft domestic focus, but uh, North American. Yeah, North American. If you're a listener, if you're from Canada too, like let us know because we uh we love to spotlight certain craft beers. I think we just had an episode come out uh yesterday where we looked at a, a spotlight in ontario we're going to be doing more seltzers as well too uh looking at some stuff to do uh, more i, I want to do some more local ottawa craft stuff and i know quinn's going to come on at some point we just got to figure out what uh what beer we're going to do and then yeah it's just a matter of when so quinn will be coming on soon to for that seat struck domestic pints bump uh so uh yeah, check we that should, out for we sure make that a, we should make that a big episode i think i think we should i think we should have a few beers on that one and really and really really make it a banger we could do like a double episode like a, we watch a movie we have beers and we also talk about a movie we watch we could do like a yeah. giant jumbo xl episode i'm in for that <laughs> hell yeah we'll get every we'll get all the former guests on we'll get like it'll be like a it'll be like a kaiju film we'll have like the destroy all monsters we'll have like our usual gang on we'll have like 15 people on we'll all just We'll get like one word in each. It'll be great. <laughs> we'll just get yeah. everyone yelling at once. <laughs> Five people screaming at once in the microphone. That's, uh, we'll, that's what the listeners we'll, we'll, we'll Brady bunch it. Just the screen. Yeah. Like Brady bunch. Yeah. <laughs> There's a story about a podcast named TPO. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we got that coming up. Anything else that you guys want to plug or mention before we wrap things up? No, I don't think so. Uh, Tom, great having you on, buddy. It's oh, always yeah. good to yeah. catch Thanks up on everything. Buddy. So. Yeah. But that's everything for me today. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you again for having me on today. This is always Anytime, a blast man. to do. Eight days a week. It's always great to see you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, nice. I'll end it. I'll end it with well, Tom, what Tom always says: "You can stay classy now." Yeah. Goodbye. Don't let the house of Anything goes.